The Real Chemistry Podcast connects the dots between our guests and the innovative work they do to show up and shape the future of healthcare. Why? So you, the listener, are encouraged to join us on our relentless pursuit to make the world a healthier place for all. Some may call it idealism. We call it real chemistry. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of Real Chemistry and the host of the Real Chemistry Podcast. And today we have a repeat guest on our show, none other than Marcus Sawyer. Marcus is currently the founder and CEO of EQ Community. And he is a fascinating guy who has already lived a few different lives, uh, really good guy, and he's doing some incredibly important work in the diversity and inclusion space. And we're going to talk a little bit today about why that's so important. We'll talk about labels. We'll talk about why diversity leads to better economic outcomes and splitting some hairs around words like underserved versus underrepresented, which I think are critically important. So take a listen, and uh, we always appreciate your support, and I think you're in for a treat, uh, something that you will learn from tremendously. Thank you. I know I say this all the time, but I am looking forward to this conversation, partly because I think we're going to cover some really important and interesting uh, content Partly because you and I have known each other for, I think, going on four years now. And even though it's been episodic, we met at South by Southwest in 2018. Uh, you sat down and did a podcast with my colleague, Greg Matthews, at the time. I re-listened to it on the phone, or the phone, the plane last night. And um, you've had a really cool journey. So Marcus Sawyer, as I mentioned in the intro, is with me today. Uh, Marcus, thank you for joining me. We're here live at Wingtip Club. This is one of your first times out, so I feel honored meeting outside of your house because we've had COVID happening for a while and his poor foot, you can't see it, but uh, he's, he's in a walking boot right now. Um, let's start with what you have been up to since we last talked, because I would say that there's a sort of common thread to what you've been doing, but while you were more in the HR sort of, you know, um, people business before, you're in a different sort of people business now, and we'll get to what your company does, so I don't want to Steal the headline there, but you know what have the last four or five years looked like for you? So, firstly, Aaron, thanks for having me again on the podcast overall. So it's good to reconnect as well as always. And yeah, I think the the last four years have been a transition, and I think they've been a transition pretty much for everybody in the world in one way, shape, or form. For me, I had moved from London to the United States to get more specific on the West Coast. So in Oakland, Berkeley area around there. And I had taken an opportunity to run a business that was inside of our organization at the ADECO Group. So it was a freelance platform. So that was one of the main reasons I moved. So moved myself, moved my family. We all got new opportunities. We had another child. So big transitions. And then in between that, I say, in between a lot of learnings. I don't know if it's right to say finding yourself because you kind of know who you are, but really digging a bit deep and say like, what's next and where are the opportunities? And I decided that it was time to become an entrepreneur again and restart that fire that I had inside of me to create something that can empower people to get access to meaningful opportunities. So yeah, that's 
bit about my journey over the last four years. Well, I like that. And what I'll tell you is, again, we've only seen each other episodically, right? Right. But I bumped into you again at the Techonomy event that our friends uh, David and Josh run, I think maybe two or three years ago, yep. right before the pandemic hit. And I will say that I can sense a difference in you. You feel you are very sort of professional and coiffed and, you know, had this persona and not that you're not still very professional. You're still very well dressed, but there's a lightness to you that I don't know as though I felt before. And we'll get into some of the personal changes, you know, in your appearance. But I feel like I've seen a, a little bit of a transformation in you and it's a positive transformation. And I think it's probably led to doing something that was important to something that really is maybe society changing in your current iteration. And so I guess with that, um, you can respond to that however you want, but I would like to talk about your current company that you're the founder and CEO of. It's the EQ community. If I have this right, it's a platform focused on powering multicultural professionals with access to connections, um, careers and community. It's a much deeper thing than that. And I know you've added stuff even since then, but you know, let's talk a little bit about that and, and how that came to be. So just going back to your point around, I suppose, personal transformation and transition, and I haven't really spent much time introspectively looking at that from my standpoint it's more been what I've been doing from a business standpoint so kind of outwardly looking but really realizing that everybody else is taken so you may as well just be yourself right and I think when you're in a corporate environment as I was for some time fortune 500 exec one of the youngest or the youngest in my organization doing that you felt like you needed to play dress up all the time and so maybe that's what that persona is. And I hadn't noticed it, but you saying that makes me think about it. I think that's right. Yeah. And you, you evolve, right? And like you say, you get a bit more comfortable in your own skin. I think a second child will do that to you as well. Right. You go from, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you and your partner, you know, teaming up on one to having to play man on man, right? Yeah, exactly. You go from zonal to man to man, as they yeah. say. So yeah, there, there, there's been a lot of transition. And look, also creating a community. This is my life's work, EQ. So... The whole concept behind EQ is to create an environment to empower people of color to thrive. And how we do that is by giving them access to what I call the four C's. And you need three to lead to the four, which is, as you said correctly, like the community, making sure you've got people that can support you, making sure you've got the right connections to get you in the rooms that you need to, but also those careers and opportunities, which ultimately leads to capital. And then once you get those four C's, you're really on your road to economic empowerment and that was the main reason why created eq and again thinking about my journey some of it was luck getting to a certain positions and in certain areas and looking around and not seeing people that look like me it's like well how can i make that more deliberate for others that i know have the capabilities and the capacity to move forward and create a deliberate environment in order to do that so that's really what eq is about on the member side and then we just we help companies that say look i want to be more inclusive I don't really know how. So we do everything from consulting on the front end to providing the roadmap and what you need in order to do that, all the way through to the hiring and the retention of that talent that you've brought inside your organization. So that's, yeah, really EQ in a nutshell. If that sounds familiar to any of our guests, um, we do some sort of adjacent work at Real Chemistry, and I introduced Marcus to our own Mary Stutz, who you've heard on the podcast. Um, you're one of probably 10 that have done this two times out of, I want to say 350 guests. I feel honored. Thank well, you. Well, <laughs> and it's, we try to save the, the best for the, the double dips and Mary's been one of those that's done too. Um, 
I want to dig into something. You and I were having a little pre-conversation, so we may go in a few different directions on this, but I think it's really important. And one of the things that I said to you as we were getting ready to do this is part of one of my goals and our company's goal is to help people feel more comfortable. I think more people want to do the right thing than don't. And people sometimes, especially I'm a middle-aged white guy, we don't always know what to say or do, but we have good intention, right? So I'm going to start with, you did a podcast last year with Voices of Diversity. And in sort of listening and reading about that, you had some interesting comments that um, none of them were controversial, but I love the way you thought about it and that you framed it a little bit differently. And one of the things that really caught my eye was in labels, right? And how you talk about, um, I guess what we landed on was under uh, represented, which I like that word, but let's talk a little bit about the journey of underserved, um, minority, you know, BIPOC, things like that. And why sometimes, you know, they can really be misleading or hurtful or whatever. And you had a very thoughtful response to that much more than I'm able to articulate right now. Yeah, well, like, like you said, I think in many scenarios, people people have good intentions overall. Now, um, as you also know, being a CMO, the important thing uh, with any type of communication is narrative. So thinking through that narrative and how you got that, I think it's also important before we just use the labels and terms and terms and labels that are used particularly in in the US, for instance. And just to give you a bit of background, 50% of my family moved to the US, 50% moved to London from Jamaica. And we've kept in contact throughout the years. So I've got family in Atlanta, in Jamaica, Queens, above, and we're just kind of like twinning in different countries. So we have these conversations and my grand was like one of 13, so there's a lot of us. And hearing people use terms like minority, I don't really know when I hear that term minority wherever I have a positive connotation around something that is minor. I don't know, like, you know what? That was a great play today in the game, it was so minor. Uh, no one's saying that, right? So. For me, there's like a negative connotation and just understanding the words is important because they will project not only to that individual, but what others then say on the follow-on. So for me, thinking about, well, what does that mean? What are we trying to say here? And I think in this instance, if we're talking about different types of groups that may not have the access or systemically have been oppressed, a lot of the time they haven't been represented. So underserved is another thing, but I think underrepresented is something that is important because you, again, I quite like using sports analogies, right? But you might have an amazing player that hasn't been seen and they just haven't been represented by the right agent. And so they're underrepresented. It's not that they don't have the capabilities, the ability, or they can't do what they need. They're just underrepresented, not minor, like little minor person in the corner. And that's, just how I think about things like that and, and, and other things. And I have challenges with words and terms where everyone's like, this is my boss. I like using that. Like, you're, no one's the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> like you'll never be the boss of me. Like, how can you be my boss? I report into you. I'm here to support you. And some of those terms and I hear them like, they work for me. I don't work for you. I work for myself to help my family. And then we work for the company together. 
So thinking through like what those terms mean and why they're impactful is important. And we're just a lot more, I'd say as a people, probably a lot more sensitive to that because we know there's a connotation behind it. So how they're used and projected, I think, is important. So let me ask you a question because I, I love everything you're saying and you can't see me on the, you know, the audio recording. I'm nodding my head in violent agreement. You know, for people that want to know and do the right thing, like I think these types of conversations are helpful, but what suggestions do you have, like for someone that is trying to figure out how do I, you know, refer to a particular group or, you know, whatever, and you can Google stuff and you get 18 different answers. You have a lot of different people that have different sort of perspectives. I like your perspective because I think you're being very non-political about it. You're being very um, pragmatic about it, right? To say someone's underrepresented, just like a footballer might be underrepresented, makes a lot of sense to people because it's like, okay, that's not political at all. It's just that that is a fact, right? Right. I, I think with anything that you want to learn about, the best way to learn typically is to immerse yourself in an experience. And how do you do that? Well, historically, the reason we've got here is there's been segregation. So then there has to be integration. And that comes with conversation. And we're having a conversation now, like we're, uh, and so you, you'll find common interests with people that don't necessarily look like you. And that was one of the main reasons we also built, built EQ as well, because not just, okay, you, you work in this particular job and you all work the same, but hey, maybe you're interested in crypto, Aaron. Hey, maybe you like a sports team that I like. Hey, maybe, and when you spend time with people and they know that you're genuine, you learn more about them and they open up and that's how you build bonds. It's like any relationship, but I think a lot of the time, especially in the US in particular, and I'll talk to that is because it's been segregated for so long, you sort of have the same friends that you have, you grow up with the same folks, you don't come outside your echo chamber, you see the, the redlining, so from a society standpoint, your kids aren't mixing with the same kids. My perspective is different. As I mentioned, I've got family here, family in the US, I'm traveling around, well, I meet different types of people and we just talk. We just have conversations and I'm not thinking, oh, you're the white guy or you're the blah, blah guy that's trying to put me down. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm genuinely not thinking like that, but I understand systemically that is how it's been set up. But as individuals, I, I, would, I, I, would, I would tend to agree, like the majority is individual. The intentions are good, but there needs to be some kind of reminders because what is not really brought top of mind is not top of tongue or tip of tongue and you you can't you can't impact it if you don't understand that it's there and a lot of the time people have tried to be blinded by it and just say oh it doesn't exist that's another way of dealing yeah, with it. i don't see color it's like if you say that then you clearly see color right yeah exactly and 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 a good example is kids when you've got kids and and i and i was thinking about this earlier because i was talking to to Mary about this and we actually had a conversation about seeing color and not seeing color and and i think her perspective is very much i won't talk to her but like Yes, you see, you see color. But as a kid, and the kids are mixing one-year-olds, I'm not sure they are thinking about your history as an individual when they're interacting with you or they're just playing. They're just playing. Like my, my daughter's favorite person she plays with every day is Jack. Jack is a, uh, an, an Asian kid and she talks about Jack every single day. So, I'm not sure when that kicks in. And there's a point that it does kick in. And then as adults, we have a responsibility to take that on and then figure out how we have thoughtful conversations 
um, with people and integrate more with people and not see people as completely different. We're, we're a lot more sa- the same than we are different, right? So, Well, it's interesting. So funny little sidebar on that. Uh, we lived in Austin, Texas for six years. And my son, who's now 20, but was, I think, in his you know, 12, something like that, came home from school and was telling us about this friend, Wyatt. And we live in Texas, so I'm like, Wyatt, I kind of have a vision of what Wyatt looks like. Turns out Wyatt is a, you know, this little Asian kid of Thai background. His parents, I think, were from Taiwan and and, uh, Thailand and did not look anything like my vision of him with a name like Wyatt looked like. And it just proves not Ben couldn't have cared less. He didn't like say, oh, this is my friend, you know, Wyatt. He's Asian or anything like that. It was just like, this is Wyatt. And then when we saw him, like, oh, okay, that's cool. And I love the fact that he didn't even differentiate because who cares? And anyway, it's just to say that um, if we could just be like kids, right? There's a book that everything I learned, uh, I needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten, right? And if we could all go back to our kindergarten years, we'd probably be a lot better for it. Yeah, and, and, and we all carry history with us, right? So as black people, people of color, we'll carry a certain history from where we come from. And that experience helps us to survive moving forward. And if you're not a person of color, you'll carry a certain preconceived notion around, like you said, the expectations of maybe a name. Because we are, we are programmed to think about things before they happen to imagine. Right. And as we get more information, we're using our imagination based on the information we've previously received, not new information because we didn't have it. Right. And kids are coming from blank canvas. Yeah. That's a good point. I do want to continue with a couple of other things that I noted from your comment or your your conversation before with Voices of Diversity. I think this is a really important one and I hear it a lot um, and it kind of pisses me off a lot. But you mentioned that people thinking hiring targets were reverse discrimination and you had a very sort of poignant answer to that. I'd love for you to share that with our audience. Yeah, so I think with <laughs> with with hiring targets as far as ensuring that your organization has representation cannot in fact be reverse discrimination if you don't have a certain level of representation going back to the the underrepresented groups and we've seen a lot of instances where we've been helping folks hire within eq and you almost get this this vibe or this energy not necessarily with our customers because we vet our customers and people we want to work with and they want to be more inclusive but like Hey, like, what about me? And that's like the kids' mentality. Again, let's go back to kids. Like, if my if my uh, daughter has a, a, a ice pole, my son wants an ice pole. Well, do you need one? Well, yeah, yeah, because she had one. But that's not necessarily the reason. And I think there's an immaturity to that not understanding the state of play and kind of what the status is. And there's a systemic reason why people are in the position where they are in today and how much time they've had to get there. And that's what equity is about, right? Um, Equity is about leveling that playing field. And until we level that playing field, it can't be reverse discrimination because it's, you're not even, you don't even have a baseline yet. Right. Well, I I like the way you think about that. And it is, I know a lot of people struggle with that, but it's like you, you hit the nail on the head. There's nothing more I can add to that to put the fine point on it. 
I want to shift gears a little bit. We started off the conversation this way. Um, last time I met you, you had much shorter hair. I think you were in a white, like very sort of expensive, crisp shirt. You're in a little bit more casual gear right here. Maybe we'll post a picture of you. Uh, one of the things that you noted, and I noted when I saw your updated profile pic, is that you've let your hair grow. And you have an interesting story behind that. And that's not normally something I would point out, but I love the fact that you have a little bit of a story. And as I sent the questions to you, I said, I don't know if your hair is still longer or not, but part of it I know started out of the pandemic and I think all of our hair got longer because we didn't have anyone that could cut it. Um, but tell us a little bit more about the uh, the thinking behind that. Yeah, I mean, for the first thinking was, can it grow any further? Because <laughs> you never know, right? So, right. so, so you got you got you got to check that. It's like, well, okay, it can grow, and I and I don't. There's no reason to cut. It. And I'm I'm one of those people as just a youngster. Like I'd go to the barbers like every two weeks, like standard. And I had barbers that were around the corner from my house. And that's the thing that that you do. But my my dad's actually a wrestler. He's got long hair, and he's a fighter in the Olympics, and before he went to Olympic Seoul in 88 and he was fighting in Taekwondo he, I remember sitting there and I was four years old and he had to cut off all his hair because you weren't allowed to have your hair a certain way when you were fighting now I didn't really go that deep or think about it but I always thought that if you've got your short hair you're kind of clean cut and you're in that situation and I was like you know what this is how I feel so I'm going to grow out my hair and that's going to be that's, that's me and, and, and a lot of the time especially with more with black women, actually, in fact, there's a question of like how you wear your hair into to work. And, and my sisters, I've got three younger sisters and a, a wife, all black, right? And I never really even thought about it for them. It, in, in particular, because I was just young guy, like sh cut your hair and you, you kind of show it up. But for them, they'd always have to like prepare and think about how they're wearing hair. They're going to straighten it or not straighten because there was like, hey, you can't really wear your hair into work in this particular way. And it's like going into the army almost, right? right? right. So... Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks good. And just to be clear, it's not like Marcus has grown his hair, you know, 12 inches. It's maybe, you know, an, an inch and a half or two inches, but it looks good. And it's, I think if you let it go a little longer, it probably could even go, you know, dreadlocks, right? Because I think you talked about dreadlocks in the interview, but I just thought it was an interesting conversation. It is such a cultural thing too. And you had told the story about your dad, which also was very cool that, you know, he uh, went to the Olympics. Um, one of the things that I do want to touch on, and this is back to, to Mary Stutz, but one of our key areas at Real Chemistry is helping the healthcare industry achieve health equity for all. Some of the work you're doing, particularly getting people with more diverse backgrounds into the boardroom, into the C-suite, which is obviously going from the bottom up is helpful, but going from the top down is probably the most helpful because people who are empowered to make hiring decisions, if they're a diverse group, they're going to hire different people versus the same homogenous group that I think we've done historically for the last couple hundred years. And the healthcare industry in particular has not been really good at this. So let's talk a little bit about how can we lean into the healthcare industry and how do we help them sort of really see the benefit? Well, hiring has always been done the way it's always been done. And what I mean by that is Still to this day, and, and I actually, I subscribe to this as, as far as like your organization, not necessarily if you want diversity and inclusion, but the best way to get talent typically in quick is through referrals. So if you don't have a diverse leadership team, you're always going to have your people of color or people from the underrepresented backgrounds on the front line. 
and they'll be representing your brand and your business and so on and so forth, but they're not making hiring decisions. Now, why, why is that a problem? It's like, well, you say you want to be more diverse, but who's in your leadership? And how are you thinking about that part? Because they have an outweighed impact. Because if you've got an opportunity to hire a team of 20 or 30 people, it's not that you're going to hire all black people or all people of color, but you just have different networks especially if you get your first few from referral. And if we talk about the red line in the different areas, you just know a different type of person. So I think really kind of thinking through not just the first step, but the second and third step when you hire someone in, what does that mean? Can they create a network effect? Is super important um, when you're trying to embark on a journey of diversity and inclusion. So to drill down on that, obviously this is something that your company does and you bring that, different network to bear because you built these communities, you've spent your life, you know, in the talent HR space, right? So you happen to have a unique ability to do this. Mary Stutz obviously has done a lot of this as well. Someone today that's listening that says, okay, maybe I'll hire Marcus and his company, but what are things that they can start to do today to start to mix things up and think differently and maybe broaden their network? You know, is it going and following different people on LinkedIn or what would your prescriptive recommendations yeah, so, be? So I can get tactical. I, I, I always think that with any tactics, you need a strategy and before the strategy, you need a purpose and the purpose has to be aligned to the business. So firstly, do you subscribe to what you're talking about and what you want to do? And then do your colleagues subscribe to that? And then why do you subscribe to it? Okay, it's better for business because we've got a diverse set of customers and we can't go in front of customers with no leadership that doesn't represent what we're trying to sell and what we're doing. That's a really good reason to start to grow up. The second reason might be, you know what? I genuinely believe that more diverse companies perform better because they can see round corners and they've got different perspectives. We're all sitting, I give the example always of like sitting in a boardroom, you're sitting at one end, I'm sitting at the other end and the two people either side, we're trying to identify an object in the middle of the table. It's all got different faces. We need different perspectives and different lenses in order to do that. So once you subscribe, then the next question is, okay, like who is in your immediate network that you may or may not know? But I, I do think it's about expanding your network. I think following people on LinkedIn, you're probably not gonna get that far, but making a conscious effort to branch into new networks and seeking out people, companies like EQ and there are others that do that as well to really try and help you through that. But the main thing is making that that drive to, I'm going to hire some pioneers into the company, one or two, that can drive this forward. And part of their role as well as doing their, their job is also to hire folks and bring them in as well. So I think you have to have a, a, like a clear assessment of the status. Once you've then done that, what are the strategies and then how do you then align the tactics to, to drive it forward? But it has to be for a good reason. Otherwise, you're not going to pull it through. And everyone has to subscribe to it inside your organization that has a voice and a stake in that. And then you might need a consultant to come in and actually explain why that's important. Well, I love your answer for a variety of reasons, but I think the most important thing that you called out is if you do something, you know, executing without a vision or strategy usually leads to very uneven results, right? So having an approach, which again, not that this is an infomercial for you and EQ community, but that is one of the things I, I know we help our healthcare clients, you're helping broader community tech, etc. to think through this. And because of the fact that you've not only lived this, but you've also helped a lot of other companies do this, it's critical to have a blueprint and know where you're going. And I will back you up in the fact that there are 
umptillion reports and, and sort of results that do show that a diverse leadership team does lead to better results because you are able to look around corners. You do have different thinking. It's not, you know, group think. And so for all those reasons, that, that totally makes sense. And, and I think with the objective, you can come up with that yourself. Like, why do you want to do it? And then you can back into the strategy off. So, so you may or may not need, and, and you might need somebody to validate it and help you say, hey, like, does this sound right? Like why we're trying to do this? And then once you've got that, you're, you're on your way to starting to make some progress. But make a commitment to it as well, I think, because it's one of those things where we have a lot of companies that come to us and like, we made a commitment, we don't even know where to start. Or they started and maybe they started around, you know, Juneteenth or after George Floyd, and then they sort of got stalled and, and distracted. And I think that is an important piece is with anything you do and you want to do well is making sure you honor your commitment to it. Yes. And how people are committed is typically based on incentives, right? Who's incentivized to do this? And the other thing is program management. Who's managing this? I've been speaking to companies recently where they've got like eight people on DNI, and I'm like, whose full-time job it is? It's no one's. They don't have one person whose full-time job it is, but you've got eight people on it. So they're all like piecemealing it. So having somebody on it, but then also backing them to do it with investments and then incentives. And then you just have to like genuinely say like, am I gonna be serious about it? And I talk, I always talk about the, the two Ds in my previous life was digital transformation. I was helping companies, uh, like Fortune 500 companies transform their business from a digital standpoint. And now you've got diversity. And I say, if you don't get the two Ds, you're gonna be D. So if you don't get digital <laughs> or diversity, you're gonna die. You're dead. Yeah, yeah I'm telling you. Yeah. Like I, like, I don't see any other way outside. I mean, you can have a nice little local business if that's what you're trying to do. Like, you'll be just fine. But if you can't sell products or services online and you don't know how to market or do that online, which is what your organization uh, real really helps to do, or you don't understand like why diversity is important because you need to go to a specific market, you want to go and try and sell it in Atlanta and you've got a service there, but you haven't got any black people, they're like, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could spend two more hours talking about that. And it is one of those things, people from the digital transformation, a lot of doctors aren't seeing, you know, pharma companies anymore, you know, sales reps. So you have to find a way to be able to do that. We learned during the pandemic that we can do telehealth, that people want stuff delivered to their door. They can get it delivered to their door. Why can't your medications get delivered to your door? And then the diversity piece and specifically on the trial recruitment, um, so many things that can be and need to be solved there, but it does start with having people that they trust in the community with centers that are close by so that, you know, if you want to go and, and participate, you're not on a two hour bus to get out to some university that it's like, really, you want me to do that? Like no one's going to do that for anything. It's very little. It's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just kind of going back to one of the points around like the importance of DNI, like we've got the company performance piece which is absolutely key. The other part is sort of dovetailing onto the looking around corners is you have to see the diversity as the result of being an inclusive company. And you have to see diversity as a superpower, not a box ticking exercise. And sports, I can't have the same people playing in the same position with the same skill set because I'm gonna get terrible results. And so you need people to play different positions and think differently and operate differently and work towards the market that you want to be in and you want to get in. And it genuinely will drive and help your organization. So think of it in that way.
That's the mic drop moment. And we're going to shift to two final, more personal questions. Sure. So thank you for indulging me on that. This one you've not been asked before because we came up with it during the pandemic. Um, and I feel like it's appropriate given the fact that we've gone through a lot of shit over the pandemic. It's if you had one wish, it can be anything you want, professional, personal, what would it be and why? One wish would be to be happy with the people that I impact forever. <laughs> so people that ever, anybody that I ever have a conversation with touch, just to be happy. Uh, that would be my one wish. Well, the good news is I think you're already on your way to that because you bring joy and light into a lot of people's lives. And I can personally attest to the fact that that's been the case. And then the last one, and this is fun because if you listened to the first interview four years ago, uh, and I always curious as to how people answer this the second go around, it can be the same answer, but you're on a proverbial deserted Island. You can take one album with you. Which album would you pick? Jay-Z reasonable doubt. All right. You're and consistent. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> there, there hasn't been anything that's come out since that stopped it or that I've re-listened to that's topped it. Well, you know what I like about that is you're certain about it the first time and you're certain about it this time. And people get tripped up on that question. And part of it is, is that, you know, the, the real secret here is there's no right answer. And at the end of the day, I think it doesn't even matter. It's really how do you think about it and how do you answer the question? But there are a lot of people that want to have five different albums and it's, you know, different people have picked. I've myself picked different albums, right? Yeah. I interviewed Katie Couric and Katie, one of the things she did is turn around and said, what would the album be that you picked? I was like, well, fortunately I've thought about that because people have asked me that before. Um, but I love the fact that it's like, nope, no doubt it's Jay-Z and I love that it's still Jay-Z. And so, uh, kudos for being consistent on that front. <laughs> and with that, I will wrap us up. And so Marcus, thank you so much. Marcus Sawyer, who's the founder and CEO of EQ community. Um, genuine, good guy, dad, uh, light bringer to society. This is Aaron Stroud. I'm the chief marketing officer and host of the real chemistry podcast coming to you from the uh, lovely wingtip club in San Francisco on a beautiful day. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Want more episodes of the Real Chemistry Podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Stitcher app, or iHeartRadio via the Health Podcast Network. Go to realchemistry.com for more info.